NFL preview. Just to announce, uh, just to let everybody know, I'm Jeremy, joined by our good friend Colin, Colin Schmidt, uh, UD grad. He is our resident winner and therefore our resident asshole. Uh, he is a Kansas City Chiefs fan. Uh, he was repping the Kansas City Chiefs here right now. Uh, so, Colin, first question. What's it like winning? It's, it feels weird, man. <laughs> Out of all the teams, you know, I'm not huge into, you know, basketball, baseball. So, truly, the one sport that, you know, I've always followed so closely and, and really, you know, was waiting for a championship was football. And when the Chiefs finally pulled it off this year, it, it still kind of feels surreal, you know. Um, <laughs> I, bet, I bet it feels like it didn't actually happen. Got, yeah, no, I mean, it really, and people forget, really until 2014, even 2015, they were the bottom tier team in the AFC West. You know, they were overshadowed by Peyton Manning, you know, Philip Rivers, and Andy Reid came in and he did what Andy did. He did what Andy Reid does best. And he, he turned that, you know, that offense into a powerhouse. And they brought in a, a defensive coordinator who many people did not think was going to pan out to be much. And obviously you see where, uh, where it got them. And I think it's only going to be just as good of a season this year, if not better. I, I agree. I think the Chiefs prior to everything you're talking about, prior to, Andy Reid. I always knew them as having flashy guys. I mean, they had Dante Hall, who was electric. They had Priest Holmes, Larry Johnson, Tony Gonzalez. I mean, they just had Dwayne Bowe, I'll even say. I mean, they had these guys and they had these offensive weapons, but they never really had anything other than that. Uh, I wouldn't even go as far to say they had a solid team prior to that. I mean, yeah, give them a, give them a year here and there, but they weren't I mean, they were right up there with the Lions and the Browns. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, they had some defensive stars, really. I mean, the Eric Berry's, you know, Derek Tomba, you know, Tomba Derek Holly, Tom, Justin Houston. Holly, yeah, Houston, Derek Johnson, all those guys. And I mean, but the defense only gets you so far. And, you know, by the likes of Tyra Thigpen and Brody Croyle and some of these guys, <laughs> They couldn't drag this sorry, you know, this sorry offense to really, really be much of anything. So, we, you know, uh, it, it feels good to have a team, and uh, it's gonna ride this out. Uh, just before we let Jeremy talk for the first time, I just want to let you know because we just Jeremy and I just did an episode where we talked about our favorite uh, baseball prospects of all time, and I want to let you know, Colin, that one of my favorite football prospects of all time who just did not work, but I thought was going to be like guaranteed rock star was Glenn Dorsey. If you ever remember him, the defensive tackle from like a decade and a half ago, I was like, this guy is a stud. This guy is going to rock everybody's world. I remember every that year in Madden, I made sure I traded for him. That's the first thing I did. I bought Madden and I traded for Glenn Dorsey. Welcome to the best day of the year. Draft day. Sorry about this. <laughs> he is doing a draft. All right. Jeremy, would you like to chime in for the first time ever? Why don't you tell the story about how after the Chiefs won the Super Bowl, you hopped in your car and drove to Kansas City for the parade. What was that like? Oh, that was um that was one of the most impulsive decisions I've made in a while. You know, I woke up Monday morning, 
you know, Super Bowl hangover, big time Super Bowl hangover. And, you know, I was, I was laying in bed, you know, I was, I was getting ready to call off work and I didn't have calling off work, but I was thinking to myself, I'm like, man, this is a opportunity of a lifetime. You know, I've never had a team, you know, win a championship like this. I might never have it again. And, you know, who knows how long Kansas city's on the only casual 11 hour drive from Cleveland. So I said, why not? Um, called my boss that morning, told him, you know, I'm, 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 booking an Airbnb in Kansas City and St. Louis. I'm, I'm taking a trip. And, you know, he, he was on the same page. And he's like, you know, man, if I, had that, if I had that chance, I would do the same. So, you know, that day made the trip. And that the, the parade was, it was something else. I mean, it was, I forget the final numbers, but something around 1.2 million people Holy showed smokes. up. There was waves of red. You couldn't see, you couldn't, you know, anywhere you look, just red everywhere and it was you know great time afterwards people were out partying you know saw saw pre-covid and you know bars are packed you know they're playing replays the super bowl on every tv and you know it's something i won't forget anytime soon as a sports fan and um you know don't regret it at all and you know i know you guys do the same if you know either the browns or the the lions win that opportunity comes because you know it will um i hope so, so i really hope so yeah. It was, it was, it was a lot of fun. And I would, you know, tell anybody to do it, no matter, no matter the circumstances. I've long thought that, again, I'm not going to say when, I'm going to say if, if the Lions win it in my lifetime, I can promise you I'm going to cry. Like, I promise you that. Just because of, like, I mean, the Lions are an abusive girlfriend, like the most abusive girlfriend. They cause me nothing but pain. They just make me angry. Like I sit on the couch and I get angry for three hours. And last season was almost my breaking point where I'm sitting there and I was the most pessimistic of like of all time, of all time. Cause I had a friend, shout out Will Dragalis. I was like, the lions are looking good. And I just looked him straight in the eye, did not break. And I go, just wait, they're going to blow it. Like I just, they're going to blow it. Like we want, we, we had that bet last year, Colin, with the, with the chiefs game. And that was the only single game where I allowed myself even a glimmer of hope. And then after that, I go, this is just, this is what they're going to do. They're going to lose 12 games in a row. They're going to be awful. And this is my life. That's what they did. I mean, by the end of it, we were throwing out David Blau, Purdue's finest. David Blau, take us to the promised land. All right. Um, Jeremy, because I, I – you don't follow football too much. Um, so I don't know, like, are, what do you, I know your team's probably more of the Browns, but where would you put yourself? Like, let's just say you were back in Ohio, even, and the Browns won the championship. Would you go up to Cleveland to, like, watch the parade? Would you take off work and drive, I don't know, let's just say you're down in Dayton. Uh, would you drive three hours to go to that parade? I'm going to tell you right now that if I was in Texas and they won, I would book a flight to go back to Cleveland. I mean, it would be insane. I, um, seeing the Cavs win theirs, like the thought didn't totally cross my mind about going to the parade. I don't know why. Um, but when the Indians or Browns do, I don't know who will be first. Um, you know, that's part of the thing about being a Cleveland fan. You don't know who's going 
who's going to emerge and, and get something done. But whatever, whichever of those teams that it, it that it is, I'm, I mean, you know, it's not a matter of driving. Like if I'm in Texas, I'll I'll fly up there for that parade just because I know it's going to be insane. So I'm, you know, I'm going to try as hard as I can to, That's to one be a thing. part After of it seeing, in any way. Because I was I never like a big parade guy. Like I, I never was. But then seeing the Cavs parade and all of that, and then seeing via drunken Snapchat stories, Colin's experience at the Chiefs parade, I'm all in on parades. All in. I'm all the way back. I'm never going to personally experience one because I like nothing but losers. Um, but one can hope, one can dream that maybe I could tag along to somebody else's parade and just kind of live vicariously through them. I think if, if Cleveland wins, if Cleveland wins a championship, I, I would be honored to take you as my date to the parade. Oh, thank you. Oh, thank you. You'd be the first, you'd be the first one invited for sure. <laughs> All right. Well, we're going to get into it. Obviously, the football season is starting. Uh, you know, we brought Colin on uh, because, like I mentioned before, Jeremy does not follow football quite as astutely as he does baseball or as astutely as others. And when I mentioned some stuff to Jeremy prior to us you know, recording this, he goes, that sounds great. How can I set you up? I kind of thought, ooh. Let's have a conversation. He goes, I, uh, you just gave me some topics. And then I was like, okay, this, this is going to go interestingly. So we brought in some backup. Hence, Colin Schmidt is making his debut. Um, first of all, talking about it, are there any blatant overt storylines that you are following or you think will happen? Or what's your bold prediction for the season, Colin? You know, I'm, I mean, obviously the most prevalent thing about the season is the way the preseason is panning out. I guess the lack of preseason and the, all the preseason games, you know, hence, you know, all the rookies having limited playing time. So I'm very interested to see how this, let's say, unprecedented season goes. You know, I was listening to some stuff earlier reading about it. The closest we've ever seen to this is – you know, back in 2011, you know, mm -hmm. when the holdout was going on and, and the agreement didn't come till late July. And then, you know, a lot of things happened that were unexpected. So I anticipate, you know, week one, you know, starting tomorrow night with the Chiefs Texans, we're going to see a lot of high scoring, fun games. Mm -hmm. You know, the teams that already have a good core together, didn't, maybe didn't lose too many players in the offseason. They're going to have a very large advantage over, you know, the teams that, you know, say lost, you know, a majority of their starting lineup. So, I mean, that's the biggest thing I see right now, but I again, agree. You know, are you referencing uh, the great podcast, pardon my take and uh, Warren Sharp's interview that he had on it? I have listened to parts of that. Yeah. And he, that was a big, a big talking point was, you know, how the rookies and, you know, the things that, are really so dependent on preseason and seeing how these guys perform. We're not going to have that this year. So I know that um, he said that back in 2011, the same thing that you're talking about, which in that season, they didn't have any mini camps. They didn't have any, you know, OTAs, uh, you know, one of, and it, it is the most similar. However, the big difference is, is, you know, the players were able to do stuff on their own this year. They're, they're not. Uh, so for example, I'm just, you know, 
I'm trying to remember the team, but I would guess Tom Brady, Wes Walker, and actually that might have been even pre-Gronk, but just Tom Brady and Wes Walker could go work out. And they could go work out. This year, that can't happen because of COVID. And I know that one of the specific things that you said, the high scoring, is this lack of um, practice, lack of communication, lack of all that, I think hurts the defense the most. As Warren Sharp pointed out in 2011, week one, 73% of the overs hit um, in the games. That's a pretty large number. I mean, given any crazy week or whatever, but it might have it might have even been the first couple weeks, 73% of the overs hit. It, these defenses are the ones that are going to be affected the most because that is where true communication happens. Uh, I mean, if you can think about in sport, you know, you have the offense and the defense. The defense is mostly reactive to what the offense is doing. Obviously, that's harder. You know, you can scheme and you can, you know, quote unquote cheat or whatever by the by scheming and you can kind of soften the edges of it but when you don't have that communication you don't have that that repetition it's going to be hard to make those adjustments uh to reactions right and like you said there the offense has that advantage because you look at guys like lamar jackson chris mccaffrey who can make something out of nothing on offense take these plays and turn them into something crazy where the defense not so much, you know, you're playing, like you said, reactive to what the offense does. So if you're not, that chemistry isn't there right off the bat, the offense, you know, you could just get picked apart. So, um, you know, I think it'll take a couple of weeks to see these, these teams, especially the defenses get it going, especially, you know, some of these teams with the injuries or new coaching staff on that side of the ball. Um, but, you know, again, it's, it's all going to just be one big surprise to all of us, I think, but you know, there's a lot of ability to it still. Uh, and I'll ask this to you, Colin, and to Jeremy, uh, because uh, I was listening to something today, and it, it made so much sense. And it made so much sense in that I think that if you were combined, you and me, Colin, who pretty much keep up with the NFL pretty heavily, and then if you went to Jeremy too, and you put us all in a pool, and you had us every week pick against the spread. I think Jeremy would actually do the best, to be dead honest with you. And the pure fact of that is, is we know too much, Colin, but we don't know enough. And that's going to get us in trouble. Where Jeremy just doesn't know enough, but he's like the equivalent of, even though he's much more informed than this, he's the equivalent of somebody's wife winning the office NCAA bracket pool. Because they just don't know enough, but... They all, you know, so they're just like, you know what? I, I know so little, but I know just enough that I'm going to do real well. Um, but what do you think of two of the big teams that had obvious changes this year? How do you think the Bucks are going to play out? And how do you think the Patriots are going to play out? So I think I'll, I'll kind of hop in there. The Bucks of those two teams, I think the Bucks will fan. They will have the better end of that deal, obviously because they added arguably the greatest quarterback to ever play the game on their team into an already favorable offensive scheme with Bruce Arians, pass-heavy, pass-first offense. You throw in two top-tier wide receivers, you know, a relatively deep running back core. You know, people forget Shady McCoy's on that team, Leonard Fournette, Arnold Jones. I think that, that offense is going to be exciting. Um, but, you know, with their – the question marks, you know, they had a pretty rough secondary last year. 
And the defensive side of the ball was definitely what hurt them a lot. You know, maybe not as much as Jameis Winston's 30 interceptions, but I think that Jameis Winston, I'm as much of a, you know, fan favorite of, of his as anybody else, but he, he brought that team down. Um, then the Patriots, you know, this is where Bill Belichick, I feel like he thrives. You know, the year the Chiefs week two or three, I forget when it was, I think it was 2014, came out and, and they, they beat, beat the Patriots by a very wide margin, something along the lines of 48 to, you know, 21 or something. And people were calling it, you know, the end of Bill Belichick and Tom Brady. And, you know, you know what happened is they come out, win the next, you know, nine out of 10 games. And I believe that year they went on to win the Super Bowl. So that'd, that'd be know. correct. Mm-hmm. So I, this I is where that, I, I believe that was we're on to Cincinnati. Is that is that correct? I think so. Yeah, and and that's exactly what he does best. And you know, even given their, you know, all the opt outs they had on the defensive side of the ball, especially in their their linebacker core, I think that secondary is still elite. You know, you got the McCourties, you know, arguably the best cornerback in the league. And, you know, Cam Newton, if he's fully healthy, he's, he's huge for that offense. So the unpredictability of a Bill Belichick offense with, you know, a new weapon like him. I think they're going to be a fun team, and I think they would be a, a dark horse team to make to that AFC championship, AFC championship game. I don't know about you guys think, but they're one of my, uh, one of my personal favorites. Couldn't, I couldn't disagree with you more about the Patriots. I could not disagree with you any farther. I think that Bill, I want, I think, I think so highly of Bill Belichick and this is how highly I think of him that I think that he has been like, look, we don't have it. I think it showed at the end of last year that they don't have it. They had, they went off, came off to that elite start last year by playing zero offenses. And in the weeks that they did play an offense, which was the Cowboys, it was a monsoon where you couldn't do anything. Um, It was so windy and so rainy that they didn't play anybody. And it really showed because in the second half of the season, they didn't play well. I mean, we saw what happened to the Titans. I mean, yeah, the Titans got super hot, but that team just wasn't very good. I don't know what happened and what switch flipped for them to be so bad at the end of last year. And now, personally, I don't think the loss of Tom Brady is that big. I don't think he was very good at all last year. I thought he was almost bad. Um, I think adding Cam Newton makes it a little different. But I think that the way Cam Newton can help the run game is what he can help. And by because that because when you have Cam Newton on the field, you need a quarterback spy. And a quarterback spy can like cause that one second of hesitation that allows a running back to hit a hole and get through. However, I think the opt-outs on that defense are gonna hurt so much. I think they lost what six starters. That's a lot, including Dante Hightower, who was almost all pro. I mean, Pro Bowl guy. They lost a lot, and I think that this is Bill Belichick, and I think that this – I think they're a 3-13 and 13 team. Obviously, Bill Belichick's not going to get fired. Um, I think Cam Newton's going to do his best, but I don't think that Bill Belichick – Bill Belichick, as much credit as we want to give him, and I do think he's a genius, he has really only worked one system in the last 20 years. It might be difficult to adjust – because he's had the same quarterback who's been able to do all this stuff and he's been able to be great and being able to, you know, pick up a lot of the slack. 
But the thing is, is Cam Newton is couldn't be farther and more different from uh, from Tom Brady, and I think that's going to be a little bit of a hiccup. I think that Bill Belichick is going to have a little bit of a struggle with what and how to fully utilize Cam Newton because of his because Cam is so non fundamental, and I think Bill Belichick thrives in the fundamentals. He thrives with the X's and O's. He thrives with the discipline, and you know, you buy in and you do this and it worked and it works with Tom and you know, you've done it. It's, you know, I don't want to say like, cause it's not easy to do what Bill Belichick and Tom Brady did. However, I think Bill Bella, if you, if you took Tom Brady's talent and you captured it in a vacuum and you were able to trade it to different people and you gave him gig Bill Belichick, a new top, quote unquote Tom Brady every year, he wouldn't, it obviously wouldn't have been the dynasty that they did. And I think that that's this kind of the thing with Cam Newton. It's just different. And I think that they're going to be flat out bad. They also, their run game is awful. Sony Michelle is not good. He's not good. James White is solid out of the backfield. And I think that James White can really produce. But Sony Michelle stinks. Damian Harris, the guy from uh, Alabama, he's hurt. And I think he's going to be hurt in the, or an, a, a lingering injury for a while. And uh, Julian Edelman is their number one wide receiver. Besides Nikhil Harry, I can't name another pass catcher on that team I, because they just cut Mohamed Sanu. Uh, I, I just – I don't see how they're going to score points. I don't see it at all. Uh, you gave – you going to – when you lose that number of starters on, an, on a defense, that tells me points can be a little fickle, but you're going to give up more yards. You're going to let more yards happen upon you. And now you're not going to score more points. That's a recipe for disaster. I have a problem with Lamar Jackson, Colin. And my problem is that he's going to get injured. I don't know if it's this year. I don't. I can't say for sure that it's this year, but he's going to get injured. It's like, it's not an, it's not an if, it's a when for me. And what do you think? Like, what do you think of that? Do you think he's going to be able to stay uninjured? You know, it's an interesting point because history, you know, is not on his side with quarterbacks of this caliber. You know, recent memory, you got, you know, RG3, you have even Cam Newton to some degree. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Mike Vick, you know, he had a pretty successful career, but other things got in the way. Well, he was and, also injury prone. I don't think he ever really played 16 games. I mean, remember he was on the Madden cover and he broke his leg. Yep, the old Madden curse got to him. But, you know, and, and I do like Lamar as a, you know, right in the right in the heartland of the AFC North with the Browns and the Bagels. I am a, I'm a Lamar fan. I'm a truther. I think that he's, he's due for some regression this year. It was just so crazy what he did last year. And I, I hate to use, you know, the, the classic, you know, teams will catch on because – that's not been the case for so many years for, you know, Patrick Mahomes and other league guys. But in that Ravens offense, you know, it's, it's, it's very much run heavy. Lamar make those big plays, unpredictable plays. And you look at the receiving core, there's not much there. You know, Marquise Brown, he's, he's, he's speedy. He's a fast guy. Mark Andrews, I think, is a he's, – he's, again, solid tight end. But a security blanket. Of – 
yeah, security blanket. He's, he's a product of that offense and of Lamar Jackson. So, you know, if, if their run game, I imagine is going to have to take some sort of step back this year, especially with the rest of AFC North making some big upgrades, you know, Big Ben coming back, the Browns upgrading that defense. So I think injury prone, yes, maybe not nearly as bad as some of guys in recent memory, but he will get paid. He is going to be, I do think he's going to be elite, and I would love to see him have a long-term career in Baltimore as a competitor with those, you know, the Mahomes, the Watsons, the Russell Wilsons. And, you know, I, I, like you said, I think there's a big concern for injury there, as there always will be. But behind that stout offensive line, the security blankets he has on offense, he'll, he'll make it work. And, you know, I'm, uh, I'm excited to see him this season, you know. I don't know. I am too. What, I am too. Quiet. But, but I, I, if I correct me if I'm wrong, because I didn't watch a ton of Ravens games last year. But my thought was they, the way that they ran, they, the way that they moved the ball down the field is they ran it. They probably ran it, I don't know, six out of ten times. And then what they would do is then they would be able to take the top off of the defense with a Marquise Brown or have Mark Andrews go over the middle. Um, and that's, you know, now they've added J.K. Dobbins, which I think is going to actually help. Uh, it's going to help Mark Ingram because I think Mark Ingram is going to have to slow down. Um, I just think that Jackson is going to succeed. I think he's going to take a step back because it's one of those things of he has to take a step back. I mean, it, it would almost be impossible for him to, like, work upon the year that he just had. I mean, he just rushed for 1,200 yards as a quarterback and threw for like 36 touchdowns. That doesn't happen. I can't tell you when that's going to happen again. I, I don't think it, it might never happen again. So I think he's going to have to take a step back. Um, I, I, I'm rooting for him too, but I just think there's just something that's going to happen. And I don't, I don't know. Jeremy, what are your thoughts? Well, I think if he can take a step back, then obviously that's going to preserve anybody's career. Um, you know, kind of like moving a catcher out into the field, like first base or something like that. Like it's a strategic move. Uh, although the difference in football is that the the quarterback has got to make that decision in the way that he plays. It's not necessarily like the coach can draw up the plays a little bit differently, but if you have the tendency and the instinct to scramble, um, you're going to have to do that a little bit differently if you want to preserve your career. But I found an interesting stat where um, Jackson Jackson avoided taking any sort of hit in over a third of his times running the ball. Um, so while while it's kind of said that, you know, somebody you would feel like somebody like him takes a lot of hits, but he's actually taking um, obviously more than the normal pocket passer but he's not taking as many hits as you, as you think he, he ran the ball 176 times. He ran out of bounds 54 times. Um, he slid 18 times. So, and 23 of those were sacks. So that, so that was, um, you know, behind the line of scrimmage, but when he does get out, he tends to uh, get it out of bounds or, or slide and, and avoid taking a hit. So, um, and some people from what I've heard is some people, some analysts believe that, a mobile quarterback actually has a bit of an advantage because they're outside of the pocket. And, you know, if they're getting downfield and they're smart about getting downfield and getting ahead of steam, they can, they can, you know, drive the car, so to speak, and, and get out of the way if they need to. 
as opposed to somebody standing in the pocket and taking a blindsided hit. So it, it could work to his advantage for him um, once he gets out of the pocket, like he's going to take hits. But if he's able to, you know, use his agility, like I, again, I don't follow him as much, but what I see of him is that he's, his speed and his agility is next level. And, you know, using that as much as he possibly can to make sure that when he does have to take a hit, he's taking it as well as he possibly can. Um, then that's going to be a huge advantage to him. But I think, I think it's to be noted that he doesn't take as many hits as you would think he does. As another, mo- you know, another mobile quarterback, Russell Wilson, takes more hits than him. And obviously Russell's got you know, a bit bigger of a frame. But for Lamar, you know, he, he's, it seems like he's pretty smart about once he gets into the open field about when he takes hits, if he needs to take one at all, and how he takes that's it. a good point because that's one thing that Michael Vick never did well is he just took hits uh I think RG3 was a product of bad management but Michael Vick took hits and he fought the extra yards one thing that's I mean one one of the things that I always like to point to and I think he's one of the best is T.Y. Hilton and T.Y. Hilton is a wide receiver for the Colts and what he does is he gets out of bounds more than I've ever seen anybody do he kind of says look I like I if I have a 17 yard gain, I don't need to fight for 19 yards. Like I don't need to fight for extra two yards and risk getting hit because like the, the team is better when I'm on the field. And if I can't be on the field because I fought for two extra yards, that's going to hurt my team more than the benefit of those two extra yards is. And some people disagree with that. Some people think that that is a little, a little bit of a slippery slope or whatever. But I fullheartedly agree with it. And I think the Lamar Jackson thing, you know, like you said, he does get out of bounds. He's smarter. And I think that that can really play a, a huge part. Colin, you're going to say something? With that being said, then, do you think the entire Ravens team then takes a step back? Because they were just so – they were such a powerhouse last year, both on offense and defense. And, you know, we've been talking about here how we think Lamar is going to, you know, regress a little bit. And I think, you know, along with, you know, quarterback play, that entire team – loses two, three extra games, you know, maybe that they wouldn't have won last year, especially with, you know, Ben Roethlisberger coming back, an upgraded Browns team, the Bengals adding some key players. I think that divisions would be a lot more competitive. And therefore, you know, the Ravens aren't going to have as easy of a path through that division as they did last year. And, you know, I'm interested to hear what other people think, but I, uh, I really think that the Ravens could end up, you know, second, maybe even, you know, that's a bit of a hot take, maybe even third, depending on how that this Browns team ends up. And there could be very well could be three teams making the playoffs, especially that new playoff, um, you know, setup here with seven teams out of that division. So, you know, it'll be, that'll be a fun division to watch this year, especially with, you know, that those unknowns around the Browns, the Steelers and the Ravens. I agree with you. Um, and I, I like what you, you made a point because I was going to go full head of steam with some of what you said of, you know, you made the point where you think they could come in second in the division. I mean, they went 14 and two last year. I mean, it's hard to say you're going to do better than 14 and two. Um, come the playoff time, they stunk. They lost the Titans and it wasn't really that good. Um, I think that, yeah, I think they will, the whole team will take a step back. I think that adjustments need to be made because, but on, the, but on the other hand, I think that this is a big pendulum uh, shift that has happened. And I think it's so fascinating, too, because 
when you talk about two of the best teams last year, uh, if you say the four, you know, three of the best teams last year, you have the Chiefs, passing elite team, absolutely elite. Then you go to the Ravens. They ran the ball. Then you go to the 49ers. The 49ers had this zone running scheme that was so good, and they ran the ball down your throat, and that's how they won games. So two of the three best teams in the league ran the ball down your throat. They played power football. They played zone running schemes. I mean, is this a little bit of a pendulum shift? I know that there's a stat I heard from Warren Sharp again. I believe uh, five, something along the lines of six of the playoff teams last year had fullbacks. I mean, there's a, there's something coming back with the fullback. Um, the NFL is very uh, – you. I mean, there's a pendulum shift of all times. I mean, think about what happened with the Seahawks. They won a championship. Now everybody just loaded up on secondaries. When you load up on secondaries like you do with the Patriots – you can run down them. You can run down their throat. And that's what happened. I know the Titans ran down their throat. I mean, if you think back, the Patriots looked like little boys against Derrick Henry. I mean, it was incredible. And I think the run game is coming back, but I think that there's going to be, I, I mean, I can't tell you why that I think the Ravens are specifically going to take a step back just simply because of what we saw last year was so incredible. But the same thing could have been said the year before with the Chiefs. Uh, and that's the one thing where the NFL is so because I is so incredible because I thought, albeit it was actually no, it wasn't even true because did Patrick Mahomes himself take a little bit of a step back? Yeah, because he's not going to do what he did the year before. I mean, I think he had 50 touchdowns and almost 5,000 yards. That doesn't happen. Yeah, he got hurt. I'll disregard that. But yeah, he his statistics. He took a little bit of a step back, but he won the Super Bowl. He had one of the greatest runs in the playoffs of all time. So did he take a step back? No, I don't think so. I think, I mean, Lamar could do that. He very well could do that. I don't think he will because I think that the the Browns defense isn't going to be Matador defense. They're not going to let up a lot of points this year. I think they're going to be better. I don't think they're going to be any elite defense, but I think they're going to be solid. Uh, the Bengals suck. Um, the, Pat, the Pittsburgh Steelers have a good defense. They're a good defense. And the Ravens, they have a tough schedule. They're playing all the number one seeds. They're playing all the leaders in the clubhouse. They're playing um, the division winners. That's kind of where they're set up. And, I mean, they have a chance. It's, it could be tricky. I mean, it could be hard. Um, I know I went through some predictions. I mean, I have the Browns going, at, at best, they can go 11-5. and five. At worst, at very worst, I have the Browns going 7-9. and nine. I mean, that's a good team, the Browns are. And going into this again, I mean, Colin, Jeremy, do you think that – I mean, how important do you think this year is for Baker Mayfield? Coming to, down to the wire of his of his rookie contract, but it's a new GM and a new coach. And so the team, this GM and this coach are not the ones that brought him in initially. So he might not necessarily be – they might not be as invested in him as they are, as they would be if they drafted him. So I think that changes the dynamic a little bit and there's pressure on the franchise with the talent that they've gone out and gotten to win. And if he can't do it, then there could be some conversations taking place about um, the new regime drafting. And of course, you know, there, I think there'd be frustration around that, but at the same time um, he's hitting that point where, He's got to either – I think we talked about it with prospects last week when we were talking about baseball prospects. He's hitting that point where he's got to start to prove himself. 
and truly prove himself up against the rest of the league and or he's going to stall out and it's going to be one or the other but I think whichever one it is this new regime that the Browns have are going to make a decision on whether or not he is truly going to be that cornerstone to help them take that next step. And with that you know the Browns have the most I believe the most cap space right now going into the new season and they have they just paid Miles Garrett they have a couple of big contracts coming with you know, assuming they pay Nick Chubb after that cream hunt contract, Denzel Ward, you know, if they're going to try to re-sign Jarvis, OBJ, it's going to be tough with all of these elite players to keep all of them. You know, there's some teams are the exceptions, but, you know, this year is, yeah, like you said, make it or break it for him. If he can't, if he can't repeat what he did his rookie season, if not better with this offense, an upgrade offensive line, arguably one of the best offenses in the NFL, you know, on paper, he Cleveland is all in on Baker right now. One more bad season like last year. And I think he's losing the city and people are starting to turn on him. I don't think anybody wants it to happen because the Browns are so they've been so desperate for a true franchise quarterback for however many years it's been since they came back to Cleveland, really. And I don't think anybody wants to see it happen, but if, if, you know, they have to draft and kind of build around somebody else, then I don't think this new coaching staff will hesitate to do that. Um, you know, and with that being said, you know, it is a brand new coaching staff with the lack of a preseason, you know, not much of an off season. So that makes the pressure on him even that much greater because, you know, it's kind of a crapshoot right now with that team. So I think that – I do think the Browns will step up. I think they will have a winning, winning record this year, you know, especially with that offense carrying them. Even if Baker can't pull it together, you have the best – probably the best backfield in the league, two top-tier receivers, a nice security blanket in Austin Hooper. They just signed, you know, two very good linemen through the draft and in the offseason. So I think on paper there's no reason he shouldn't – you know, compete this year. But again, it's the Cleveland Browns every year. We want to say that they're going to be, they're going to do what we think they're going to do, but so far that has not been the case. So, you know, I think that, you know, they're going to have a slight bounce back season. They'll be fighting for the playoffs, but there's a very good chance that it's just another classic Cleveland Browns season. And, you know, next off season is going to be another one of those years where, you know, nobody knows what's going to happen. So I'm excited to see him. You know, unfortunately, won't be going to any of those games this year, but, you know, we'll be looking forward to those games every Sunday. So one thing I want to mention is, I mean, because it's undoubtedly that Baker did take a little bit of a step back last year. But I just don't think it was as much as people realize. I think that Baker Mayfield himself, his rookie year, was a little bit of smoke and mirrors. I think that he had an efficient and good, not great rookie year. Uh, I mean, I'm looking at his QBR from that year. And QBR, I think, is a great stat because it takes into everything in account. And an average QBR is 50 on the dot, and it changes week to week. You could play one way one week and get a 50. You could play that exact same game, and the next week and get a 62. It's all based on that. And his QBR, his rookie year, was 53.2. You know, he started 13 games. He played in 14, kind of a full season. 
this past year, started 16 games, his QBR was 49.1. Not entirely different. He had less yards per game. He threw more interceptions. That's undoubtedly, I think he made some mistakes. However, I think he took a pretty big turn right around the time that Kareem Hunt came back. Kareem Hunt was just missed the first, I believe, eight games. He came back mid-November. All right. Since since the first game that Kareem Hunt played, here are the QBRs for Baker. 76 5, 93 9, 48 1, 43 3, 63 2, 69 6, and 43 1. None of that minus a couple really stand out. Um, and yeah, he made mistakes during that period of time. Also, he had, I mean, but he had 17 touchdowns to nine interceptions. That's not horrible. Um, I think adding Kareem Hunt for a full season, like you said, they, they signed Jack Conklin to be up to anchor that right side of that uh, offensive line, which I think is huge because their offensive line was awful last year. And you add Austin Hooper, who's going to be a better security blanket now that he's Kareem Hunt, but he has a downfield security blanket in Austin Hooper, which is better than Njoku. I think he's got a lot of weapons. And this year, if he doesn't put it together, I think he's heads on the chopping block because like you said, Jeremy, eventually you need to make the turn from being an excellent prospect into being the guy. And I think that's the problem that's happening in the, with the bears right now is Trubisky. I still think does have some potential, but he just hasn't turned yet. And this is, I mean, this is Baker's third year. It's time to put up or shut up. And like you said, I think there is some pressure. The guys that are in charge right now didn't draft him. They may not feel the same loyalty as the old regime did, and that's fair. But I, I'm, a, I'm a believer in Baker, and a lot of that is because I like the guy. I think that he's great for that city. I think the city wants to love him so much. But I could see this year being the year that he turns. If he can continue what he did near the end of last season, um, I think he's got a really good chance to be pretty darn good. And I think that he can be a top 10 QB. I don't think, I think the expectations that people set of him being a top five QB, top three QB, I think right now that's just a little too heavy. I think that that's just not where he's going to necessarily end up being. Um, I just don't think he has the sheer arm talent and the, the X factor that a Patrick Mahomes does. Uh, but I do think that he will be the best quarterback in that division. And I'm going to go division quarterback rankings. I'm going to go Baker Mayfield one, Ben Roethlisberger two, Lamar Jackson three, maybe even four, and Joe Burrow, uh, Joe Burrow fourth. Because I think Lamar Jackson is one of the best football players on this planet, but I don't actually think he's a very good quarterback. I think that he's – I think if – think back to the NCAA, Matt, the NCAA video game days, if you were bringing him up, uh, if you were recruiting Lamar Jackson – his position wouldn't be quarterback. He would be an athlete. And I just think that that's something where I don't going back to Lamar. I don't know if I trust his arm. I think that, you know, his legs can really bail him out and they can really give him some favorable matchups, but I don't think Lamar is that good of a quarterback uh, as far as arm talent goes, or, I mean, he's fine decision-making, but I just don't think he's great of an arm. Um, I mean, thoughts on that guys. I like your uh, predictions there. I think Joe Burrow, I like him a lot, especially coming off that season he just had at LSU. But being drafted to the Bengals, 
and having, again, that lack of preseason and team chemistry is going to hurt him more than anybody else in the division because the Bengals' offensive line, their biggest weakness was not, as far as I know, was not really addressed too heavily in the offseason. You know, they got A.J. Green coming back, already dealing with his injuries. They have their first-round pick from last year. He never played last year. Uh, he was hurt, Jonah Williams. I think he could be pretty good. He, so he's kind of a new addition. That I, I mean, I was kind of high on him coming into last year. I, I forget what injury he had, but when you're out for a year, it can kind of hurt you. Um, but like you said, I don't think they really addressed their line, so I think you're correct. Right, and, and that's what's going to make the AFC North, I think, one of the most fun divisions this year in football, probably the most, you know, competitive in the AFC. And, you know, going off that note, talking about the, the you know, the, the, the Browns here and the Ravens, how, you know, Baker and Lamar are going to, you know, have a transition into, you know, a bigger role this year or, you know, have a slight step back. I'm interested to see, you know, what you guys think on teams outside of the AFC North, you know, either going to take that next step forward you know, after last season or are going to have a kind of a slide after this past season. 49ers, the Ravens, they had these historic seasons that nobody really foresaw. And teams like the Colts and, you know, the Chargers were big disappointments. I think there's a there's quite a few teams that are going to really flip flop this season. And, you know, a couple of those teams, you know, I have a I, I you know, have a couple of teams here that I think are really going to you know, take that step back and, and step forward in, in one way or the other. And, um, you know, I'm interested to see what you guys have to, to say on that. You know, obviously the Browns and the Ravens being two of those big ones, but the NFC and the AFC, there's, there's quite a few teams that made some big offseason moves. They address those weaknesses. And um, I think that's going to be another very exciting part of these, uh, of these next few weeks and of this season. So uh, I guess Ben or Jeremy, what are the, some of those teams that you think are really going to make that next step this year, you know, there's a couple obvious ones and then maybe a few, few others that people aren't, people are kind of overlooking, we'll say. I'll go with one and you, you mentioned them, but I think you may have mentioned them in the opposite way that I'm going to tell you. I'm going to ask you a question. Uh, after eight games, after everybody had played eight games last year, who was number two in the AFC? Who had the second best record in the AFC after eight games last year? I know this because, again, yeah, the, uh, <laughs> the part of my take interview. Part of my but guys, but the Indianapolis Colts, yeah, yeah, the Indianapolis Colts. They were six and two after eight games, um, or maybe it was seven games. I, I think it was eight games, and then they kind of collapsed near the end. Uh, I think. They lost seven games in which they had a fourth quarter lead. That doesn't happen. You don't lose that many games when you have that kind of lead. Um, it's just, it doesn't happen like that. That's just, that's just unlucky. I think Jacoby Brissett was a, an okay average quarterback. I think he probably played maybe, a, he probably played to the level of rookie year Baker Mayfield, maybe even not as good. I think, you know, average. You add Phillip Rivers, albeit, Phil Rivers is notorious for blowing fourth quarter leads or just not or trailing in the fourth quarter or whatever. But you add him to that team and you add that guy because Phil Rivers does know how to win. That's one thing that people knock on Philip Rivers, but he knows how to win. He's done it for years. He had, I mean, people forget he had awesome teams. Come to playoffs, 
different story, but he knows how to win. I think if you add him, you add Philip Rivers to that team, you get a healthy T.Y. Hilton back. You have that incredible, insane offensive line, and then you also add Jonathan Taylor. I have the team going 11 and five, and I think they live when I think I had them winning their last five games. Um, I have them, I don't know, I, I think they're going to win the division, but the Texans are, I think the Texans are also really good. Uh, yeah, you lose out on Nuke, but I mean, I think the Colts are going to win that division, and I think that they're going to take a massive step forward. And a team that I think is going to take a huge, huge, huge step back is the Green Bay Packers. And I think that they're, I thought that they were a frauds last year. I never thought that they were actually that good. They made the NFC championship game. And yet I never thought they were actually that good. I think that Aaron Rodgers is pissed and he's not like pissed as in I have something to prove. He's pissed as in like, look, you got like, I'm begging you guys for help and you just drafted my replacement when I'm not done. I think that that creates such a weird weird relationship between him and the head coach where they're all already were rumors that they didn't like each other. I mean, Aaron Rodgers can be, he's notoriously kind of a difficult person to deal with. I just think that they're frauds. I think the green Bay Packers are absolute frauds. And I think they are going to have a losing record. I think that this, I, I I don't think it's the end of Aaron Rodgers, but it could be nearing the end of Aaron Rodgers in green Bay because Matt LaFleur like very clearly because of who they drafted doesn't want to coach Aaron Rodgers. That, and that whole division really, I think is going to do a little bit of a flip-flop this year. Like you said, the Packers, the Vikings even as well, you know, trading away Stefan Diggs, you know, they brought in Justin Jefferson through the draft. A lot of young guys that, you know, are going to have to take some getting used to each other, you know, build that chemistry. And, you know, I think the of of that the NFC North there, the Bears have the most to prove, and with Mitch Trubisky starting quarterback, who I who I, you know, I think was the right decision and was who is going to be all along, will do enough for the Bears to win that division. And I think the Bears are that NFC team that, you know, come back this season, you know, already having an elite defense that you know had some injury problems last year. I think. You know, Akeem Hicks, I believe, may already be injured this year. But, you know, Mitch Trubisky has something to prove. And I think he'll do enough to win them that division. Maybe not by much, but, you know, 10 and 6, 9 and 7 even could be enough to, to take it this year. And, you know, I like the Bears in that division and the NFC to move forward, as well as the, um, you know, as well as the, not the Packers, but the, the Cowboys. They were another team who I think have underperformed for so many years now. And Dak Prescott with the additions of, you know, CeeDee Lamb, some players on defense are going to finally make the playoffs after all these, after the last three years of people talking them up, that offense is going to be elite. You know, three very good receivers. Zeke, who is undoubtedly one of the best running backs in the league, both, you know, pass catching, running the ball downfield. I think the Cowboys win that division. There's not much of a competition there. And, you know, they could be a, a, a dark horse for that NFC championship game, as well as, um, as well as the Colts. You know, I think that's, I agree with, 100% agree with you there. Phillip Rivers has always been a pest in the AFC West. You know, he was, he was never, 
quite to that elite status, but he's got Hall of Fame stats. He's been consistently good, if not great, quarterback that's had a lackluster coaching staff. I don't think the offensive scheme ever really worked in his favor. They never really built too much around him. And, you know, the change of scenery, I think, would do him well in Indianapolis. It's a, it's a great atmosphere. I've been to a couple of games there, and then the fans there are, you know, they're up there, I think, with the, with the Browns and the Chiefs and those crazy off, you know, those crazy fan bases. You know, I think not having the fans this year would definitely hurt them, but I like them to win that division. You know, again, not too much competition there, especially with the Texans taking a little bit of a step back. You know, even after that, you know, big Deshaun Watson contract. I, uh, I like all of those teams. The Packers, again, agree with you, full, fully there. Aaron Rodgers can't be happy with them drafting his replacement in the first round, not even addressing the issues with the wide receiving core, the tight ends, you know, having two, their two top running backs on contract years. It's not going to be good for them. And I think they missed the playoffs this year. Again, you're touching that F word around a lot, but um, fraud is a very good way to put it. So I, um, I like those teams and I'm really pulling for the Colts. You know, we had a bit of a rivalry going there for a couple of years, the Chiefs and the Colts in the playoffs. You know, that that's kind of at this point now that, you know, we we kind of took um, you know, took it to the next level, knocked them out of the playoffs last year. So I'm a Colts truther. I like them. I like them a lot. So I'll be I'm excited to see what they do, especially with the addition of DeForest Buckner. I think that offensive line and defensive line, two I forgot about two of their that. Goals. Yeah, two of their, you know, elite kind of cores on that team, which are really going to, which are really going to play a big part in, in their success. Frank Reich, I think is one of the great coaches in the NFL right now. Doesn't get as much respect as, you know, Andy Reid or, or Belichick, but he's always been a very good offensive minded guy. And Phillip Rivers will do enough to, to win that division and to, you know, make some, make some noise in the playoffs as, as they say. So I'm, um, I'm right there with you. All right, I just all right. I I'm going with one more thing, and then we'll go into our predictions. I am a pessimist. I am the worst, but I got to talk about the Lions, and I just want to know what are your thoughts from a third party coming back out with Matthew Stafford coming back? What do you think? Where are you at with the Lions? Because I do think that there was a glimmer of hope last year a glimmer um and it, and then matthew stafford going down obviously you know he changed everything i i don't know our record i think we might have been three and five when stafford went down and then we lost like the rest of them but i what do you think where do you think the Lions' ceiling is i can tell you where i think their floor is but where do you think the lions are at especially with the addition of deandre swift and the addition of all of those Patriots on the defense. I still think that Patricia is not a very good coach and he's holding him back. You know, I've watched some interviews of his and he just doesn't give me, you know, he doesn't give off the confidence. Like, you know, those, those head coaches in the NFL do the, the true elite coaches, you know, you need a, you need a kind of guy that brings them together. Like the Andy Reeds, the, the Harbaugh, the Pete Carroll, 
and the leadership, I don't think, you know, Patricia offers that. And even with Stafford coming back, you know, DeAndre Swift, I think he was, he was a great running back at Georgia. And, you know, Adrian Peterson will be huge for that, you know, for that running back core, just having him there, you know, maybe you can sh you know, show the guys the ropes, but again, it's the Lions, and I hate to say it yet, I think their their floor is the most likely outcome of this season. And I'm very high on Stafford. I love Kenny Galladay, Marvin Jones. I think that's a, a very good receiving core. But I just, I just don't see it, you know. Unfortunately, sorry, Ben, but, you know. <laughs> I was trying to get some hope from somewhere, just anything. But I agree with you with Matt Patricia. Um, I was mean to ask you, and you may not, and I'm trying to remember, was Romeo Cornell ever the head coach of the Chiefs? He was for the Chiefs for, for a very short time span. And albeit it was probably, because I'm asking, it was probably 10 years ago at least, but, and now, now you have a different perspective as with age and we're smarter, but what were your thoughts back then? Because, I mean, he's very famously one of the first Belichick disciples. And it's very notorious that Belichick's coaching tree is not very good. I mean, that's one knock on him that a lot of the great coaches have a great coaching tree. I know Andy Reid has a great coaching tree. Um, Mike Shanahan has a great coaching tree. But Bill Belichick has a notoriously bad coaching tree. What, are your, what were your thoughts on Romeo Cornell? You know, that was a, that was a little while back. That was before I was too big into the NFL. I was more of a college football guy at the time. But, again, those are some of the, the darker days of Chiefs football. Um, you know, that was when our offense really lacked. Outside of, you know, a star here or there, you know, Jamal Charles, Dante Hall, you know, you had the, the Priest Holmes, Tony Gonzalez. There's really never a – he never really had much to work with, which I think didn't work in his favor. But, again – He's he's sort of like Matt Patricia, kind of going back to that. He wasn't he didn't bring much to the table, and there was never really much room to grow when he was at the head coach. And obviously, the ownership, the management realized that, and that's why he's only there for I believe maybe one season. You know, we have a, a sort of a a bad history for those four or five seasons pre Andy Reid of, <laughs> uh, of of head coaches. But you know, Romeo Cornell, one of the most infamous names in the NFL, he. Uh, wherever he goes, doesn't seem to bring the good luck with him. You know, maybe some, some exceptions there, but is, is he, he's, he's coaching for the Lions now. I, I can't remember. No, he's not. But I was just thinking, cause he's just uh, the, the Belichick disciple. I remember. Um, all right. Well, let's go into it. I think that it's very much to note the new playoff schedule and the new playoff format of having seven teams make it. So there's only one buy. Um, there's only one buy now. So that getting that one seat is so important. So uh, I want to get each of your predictions. Tell me the one seed. Tell me who's going to make the title games, who's going to make the Super Bowl, and who's going to win it all. Uh, Jeremy, I'm going to start with you. I want to get your perspective because I think you could, uh, again, wife of a co-worker's uh, NCAA bracket this whole thing and just nail it on the head. Okay, got it. All right, Colin, 
Colin, what do you think? What are we going to go? Who is who are the one seeds? Who's making the title games? And who's going to be in the Super Bowl and who's winning it all? My bias is going to show a little bit here, but in the AFC, I think the easy pick, but also the most likely pick is the Chiefs. They do not seem to have any sort of Super Bowl hangover like some teams you've seen. They did what seemed to be the impossible and kept their almost the entire starting lineup on both sides of the ball together. You know, they, they restructured some guys, Sammy Watkins, Alex Okafor. They managed to sign Chris Jones and Travis Kelsey and Mahomes. And, and they, they, got that, uh, they have the running back now too. Right. The running back, they got Andy Reid locked up. They did everything right this offseason. And I think, you know, coming into this next season, they're already ready to go. You know, they, you know, after the Super Bowl, I think many teams do it, but they were talking about next season already and how they're going to go back to back. I think they are the easy one choice. And given the AFC West is still, I think it's still a bit of a, um, bit of a wild card division. I don't think any of those teams really are going to give them any sort of competition. And then their schedule, it's reasonably difficult, probably middle, middle of the pack, but I don't see any reason that they won't be the number one seed. The other AFC team that I like coming into the AFC championship game, I'm going to say, depending on how things line up, but I like the, uh, I really like the Colts this year. You know, I think the AFC kind of, they're not too strong this season outside of the, the Chiefs, the Ravens, the Bills, who I, I want to say the Bills, but I just don't think they have it yet. You know, Stefan Diggs is big for him. You know, that Trey White contract is huge. You know, I think he's better than, you know, right now, hot take, but I think he's better than Jalen Ramsey, and they, they got a better deal off of him. So I, I think the Bills will be, you know, right in that three or four spot, but they're not going to do – they're not going to have enough to make it to the AFC Championship game. So, you know, I, I see it being the, the Chiefs and Colts, reliving a little bit of uh, the old rivalry there. And then I like that. Then, pick. Well, I, I like that pick in the AFC. I'll, I'll stop you there. Cause then we can go AFC to AFC and then we can go jump back to the NFC. I love that. Um, I really like something you said though. And um, when talking about the bills and you, I mean, you're exact. I want to say the bills and I do too. I really want to say the bills. I think that if the bills are good this year. That's awesome. I'm so excited. I love Josh Allen. I think he's electric. He crippled me. And he cost me $120 two years ago because he came in week 17, scored 40 fantasy points, was, was Josh Vick. Um, and he got picked up on the waiver wire t- like 20 minutes before the game, put up 40. I lost. I forgive him. I want to see the Bills. I really do, but I agree. I just don't think that they have it yet. Uh, I'm right there with you. I think the, I think the Chiefs are making – our Chiefs are the one seed. They're going to make the championship game. I really don't think it's a question. But I'm going to throw a curveball here to you. I think that the Colts are the two seed, but the Titans make the championship game. I think we have a rematch of last year. I love the Jadavian Clowney signing, re-teaming him up with Mike Vrabel. I thought that they signed all the right people, albeit I don't think Tannehill is the answer. I just really don't. I think Derrick Henry is a horse, and he just is going to be running wild all year. I think their defense is good. I think losing Jack Conklin hurts. It does, but I think it's going to be fine. 
Uh, I think A.J. Brown is a stud. I think Johnny Smith, their tight end, is going to be better than people think. I think their offense is going to be good enough, and I think their defense, by adding Clowney, is also going to be good enough. So I have the Chiefs playing the Titans, but the Titans actually being a wild card team. Uh, but again, I really want to say the Bills. I want nothing more because I agree with you. I think Tredavious, I think Tredavious White's deal is so much better than Jay, uh, than Ramsey. Whether or not he's better than Ramsey, which I think might be a little bit of a toss up, I think the amount of money they paid for Ramsey versus they paid for Tredavious White makes White immediately the better player right away because you just you open things up so much more. I think Ramsey took a very selfish deal. A very selfish deal. Um, and this could be something else we talk later in the year, but because the, I think the cap is about to be a massive issue because the cap's dropping about 20 million. That's the estimate. So what does that mean for guys like Mahomes, who's taking up, you know, he's getting 40 million. He's a $40 million cap hit. It's different when it's a $200 million cap versus a 175, 180. Different conversation for a different day. But I very much... I very much agree with you, Colin. Uh, Jeremy. So I think, I think in the AFC, I think the number one seed, I mean, I can't disagree with you guys that it's going to be the Chiefs. They're, they're so dynamic. They're so good. Um, and who I would like to see go with them to the championship game would be the Bills. Um, I personally think the Patriots will be decent, uh, but I would love to see the Bills, like, Take that step, like you said. Uh, I'd like to see them get up and play against the Chiefs in a championship game. I think that that would be really exciting, uh, but I just don't see anybody upending the Chiefs. I agree. I don't know if we said, Colin, are you? We in agreement that the Chiefs are going to win and the Chiefs are going to go on to the Super Bowl? I think so. Uh, you know, exactly. team, well, go on. It's tough to bet against them. I mean, it's. You know, you want to say someone else, but it's tough to bet against them. You know, I really only see a couple of teams that – the true maybe three or four teams that could get there. I think the Chiefs are just so much more dynamic than any of those, and their defense took such a huge step last year, and they didn't really lose any key players, you know. Kind of I forward. think that's the big thing. That's the big thing right there. I didn't know that. I mean, I guess I didn't realize it. I, I, I mean, you could probably give me the number, but they returned – like – the blueprint that you kind of have set up just reminds me of the Patriots of 0405 is they returned everybody. Like they had the same team. They didn't lose any because there's so many times that a team wins the Super Bowl when a Patrick Mahomes is on his rookie year, a Chris Johnson, a Chris Jones is on his rookie deal. So you have these guys that are all pros, but because they're on their rookie deal, they're getting paid two and a half million. So it opens up the cap for someone else. They, they were able to, to they have the same team. And I think that's the blueprint that the Patriots set up 15 years ago. And that's how you do it in this modern salary cap exploding era. And I, they have it. I think that they have it. Yeah, the AFC is – I think the NFC is going to be a little more difficult to make those decisions. But, you know, I, I – I, the Colts, the Chiefs, one of the teams that I was throwing in the mix there is the, is the Steelers. You know, with the turn of Big Ben, that defense is already pretty stellar. You know, I would say they're, they're an easy top 10 at, at, at worst. You know, even up in the top five range, James Connors, he's going to be a workhorse this year. A couple of young receivers, a very stout offensive line. I, I like the Steelers a lot. So it'll be, um, I think it'll be a little bit less exciting than NFC, but 
you know, still. Like you said, the NFC is wide open. I mean, that's a great segue to get to where, where, you know, where our position is at in the NFC. Um, I mean, right off the bat, I think it's, I'll tell you, it's wide open. It is absolutely wide open. One team we haven't talked about, and I just want to note, they're not one of my two picks, but I think that they make the playoffs is the Arizona Cardinals. I think the Arizona Cardinals had an under, have always had a good defense, not a, not a great, not an awful, a good defense. I think Kyler Murray can do a lot, and he really showed flashes of awesomeness last year. You add a new Hopkins, and it changes everything. Um, I think Kenyon Drake is a bust. He's going to be a bust. I don't think he's actually going to be very good. Um, but I think that they get enough done that they make the playoffs. That being said, I think that the Niners are very good. Um, I don't think losing to Forrest Buckner is going to hurt them that much. Um, I just think that they're going to be okay. And, um, the only thing that worries me is a little bit of their run defense because I think they lost some linebackers. But I think that the Niners are still going to be a wagon. I think they're just starting. I think the, the Niners are going to be the one seed. And I think it's finally the Cowboys' year, and they're finally going to be the two seed, and they're going to make that jump, and Dak's going to get paid. It, wait, Dak hasn't gotten paid yet, has he? Not yet. I think they, they franchise tagged him again. Yeah. But I think it, it's his time. I think the Cowboys are going to be good because uh, the only thing that does worry me is they lost Byron Jones at cornerback. And I think Byron Jones was a big part of their defense. He's a shutdown, lockdown corner, and those are hard to come by. Um, he's good. He's really, really good. And you lose that, and that hurts. Uh, that could be a little bit of their Achilles heel. But I think that they grabbed the two seed. Um, but I got the Niners, and the only team there that's throwing a, a wrench in things, I do think, is Seattle. I think Seattle could come up as a wild card, and they could make the NFC Championship game. And that's actually what I'm going to go with. I think that albeit the Cowboys being the two seed, like before, I think they're going to lose. And I think that it's going to be a Niners-Seahawks uh, NFC Championship game. Um, Colin, uh, thoughts? I have to disagree with you a little bit on the on the 49ers. You know, I they are, again, they're a stout team. They didn't really lose too much in the offseason. They have a lot to prove after that Super Bowl. You know, they just kind of fell in line with all the other victims of the Chiefs last year, you know, giving up that big lead, you know, starting right around the third quarter. So I think they have a lot to prove and they will be back this year. Maybe not the one seed, but as a two or three, I think they, you know, they'll get it back together and be right back in that NFC Championship game. But the other team that I like, which you did not mention, I'm kind of surprised, but they are, again, one of the more popular picks are the Saints. They've been, they've kind of, you know, dealt the short end of the stick the last two seasons, you know, with that whole, the Rams game the Vikings, some other things. So I think this is the Saints year. Drew Brees has been consistently, you know, one of the elite quarterbacks. Kamara seems to be fully healthy and seems to be all in, even with his whole contract dispute. You know, the addition of Emmanuel Sanders on offense makes that receiving core pretty, pretty good. 
you know, so I, I like the Saints a lot. I think if anything, they will take the one seed and the Seahawks as my number two. And then, you know, the three, three and four, I, I would, I would have to kind of agree with you there, put the, uh, the Niners and the Cowboys, but to make it to the NFC championship, I'm going to roll with, roll with the Saints. I'm, you know, taking the Seahawks again, Russell Wilson, just year in, year out, just, he just does what Russell Wilson does and he performs. DK Metcalf came on late in the, in the, in the season last year. Tyler Lockett's always, you know, for being how small he is, has been a very good receiver. I believe they added, um, you know, Greg Olson at tight end who maybe on the back of his career, but he still had some left in him. So I like them. I like them a lot. And then FC again is, is, is wide open. Like you said, the Cardinals are right up there. The, you know, the, the NFC West is going to be very tough this year, you know, with those, with those three teams. But what um, do you think of the Rams? Cause I have the Rams winning like three or four games. I have the Rams being really genuinely bad and Sean McVay, albeit a Miami man, either ending the season heavily on the hot seat or potentially being outright fired. Yeah, I think he's in over his head a little bit too. You know, they, those contracts, some of those big contracts they made, you know, the Jared Goff one being the big one are kind of killing them, you know, especially with that extension of Jalen Ramsey. Now that he got paid, I'm interested to see how he plays it out. If he's one of those guys that kind of, you know, he got paid, now he's just going to cruise along or if he's going to stay at that elite level. Aaron Donald's Aaron Donald. I mean, there's, 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 there's nothing really to say there. But I, yeah, the Rams... It's weird to say, but yeah, I think they're going to finish last in that division. I think five to six wins is, is very, a very reasonable possibility. And I just don't see any scenario playing out where they could even come close to winning that division or even making the playoffs with how deep the NFC is. You know, the teams that we, the team we didn't talk about in the Buccaneers, again, the additions of Tom Brady, Gronk, LaShawn McCoy, I think is huge for them, but you know, there's still some pending issues there, you know, kind of, kind of like the Browns and then the Lions. They just, they don't have, historically, they, they haven't been great recently. And I don't think they're going to have it in them to, to win it. And Tom Brady, you know, he's still Tom Brady, but with new coaching staff, a whole new team that, you know, for his first time in what, his 20 year career, he's not playing with Bill Belichick. It's not gonna, it's not gonna pan out how many people think it will. So you know, I like the the Chiefs and the Saints in the Super Bowl. I think most, maybe not most, but a lot of people wanted to see that last year, and it's it's bound to happen this year. And it's gonna be, it's gonna be a fun Super Bowl, and very very competitive. You know, I I have a tough time deciding between of those teams in the Super Bowl, but no, you I don't. think it. Uh, <laughs> no, you don't. No, <laughs> don't lie to me. <laughs> you know, and, and it wouldn't it wouldn't bother me so much see the saints or a team like the saints or the seahawks even uh, no not the cowboys it's, it's the cowboys you know <laughs> the, the saints or the seahawks you know get in there and, and win a, win in our super bowl kind of while they still have those quarterbacks you know they're, they're elite quarterbacks on the team that have been doing so much for those franchises so you know it's it's gonna be a, a season with a lot of unpredictability though you know so i agree 
with, with you talking about Tampa Bay, I, I, I meant to mention this earlier because I think Tampa Bay is going to go nine and seven, 10 and six. They're going to make the wild card, potentially even being that, what now, third wild card team. I think they'll get in. They might win their first game, make it to the divisional round. I don't know. Um, but here's one thing. Wow. I, I think that their defense is going to play better this year. And my reasoning is, is because there's not going to be so many turnovers. Turnovers exhausted defense. And I mean, I think the defense there, what they have down in Tampa Bay, they have Devin. I think it's Devin White. Do they have Devin White down in uh, Tampa Bay or is he down? He's the one in, uh, or is Devin Bush? I think it's Devin White. Devin White is a stud. I think they have uh, that, that end. I cannot think of his name because he's a no-name guy who had 20 sacks last year. He's a stud on the end. I think Tampa Bay is going to end up probably having maybe a top five, maybe top 10, top five defense. And I think that they have a chance to really excite people. And I think their defense could be a reason that they get carried to the record that they do. Because I think Tom Brady is a little bit too much of a dink and dunk kind of guy for my liking. Um, that's just kind of where I'm at with him. I've kind of thought that for the last couple of years and stats kind of do prove me wrong with that. Um, I think the Tampa Bay is going to be exciting. You're right with the Saints. Um, the Saints were a little bit of one where I kind of overlooked them. I think that you're potentially right with that. Um, but one thing that just bothers me with them is yeah, Drew Brees is so old. Can he, is he going to take that step back? Uh, it's one of those that like, it's, it's gonna, it's gotta happen. Right. I mean, question mark, like it's gotta, I think Tom Brady's taken like a pretty big sizable step back is, I mean, is it time for Drew Brees? Right. Yeah. And it's, it's hard to bet against the guy because he's been consistently so good. And I think he missed a, he missed a couple of games last year and, you know, when, when Bridgewater stepped in, that offense didn't seem to lose too much of a step. So, you, you know, you kind of beg the question is, is you know, obviously he's a Hall of Famer. He's one of the greatest quarterbacks we've ever seen. But, you know, they they very well may – that very well may hinder them a little bit. Um, and I think in addition to, you know, some of those players having sort of question marks surrounding them, you know, is the is the lack of is, is how the season is going to you know play out with the lack of fans and the stadiums and how crucial that is to some teams you know that being you know the Saints other teams with these these diehard these huge fan fan bases how that's going to affect them because you know the Browns the Chiefs the, the Seahawks and the loudest stadiums in the world in the, in the, easily in football have so much of that, that crowd and the energy behind them that I wonder how much that's going to play into the season. You know, they talked about the 70 decibel rule, you know, whether it be, you know, cranking that noise into the, into the games, you know, if that plays a factor into, you know, teams like the chargers or the Buccaneers or the, uh, you know, the, the lions, maybe even who don't, who have, you know, are kind of used to, we'll say used to the, uh, the lack of energy or, or, or fans in the stadium. I think that will play a big a big part in how some of these teams perform. Maybe not so much. It, it could it could do very little. You've seen that in the NBA and in the NHL where you know teams pick up right where they left off. But you know that's another another thing that I think is going to be be a big talking point of the season. So I'm uh, but no, I'm I'm very excited to see the Saints back. 
Kamara has been one of my favorite guys since he got in the league. And, you know, I think he's going to be electric this year. Michael Thomas, you know, he's a, he's a homeboy coming out of Ohio state. One of the, you know, the great route runners in the NFL, Emmanuel Sanders right there alongside him. I, I like right, the Saints they got a lot. Him. Right. So I think, you know, we took some of the, we took some of the more favorite picks there to be in the championships. You know, there's, plenty of teams that might, you know, come out of nowhere that we don't see, you know, the Titan, you know, like the Titans did last year, but um, you know, it, it'll all come back down to those teams who truly already kind of have it all together this year that, you know, will just pick back up right where the last season left off. And um, you know, the, like, like you said, those teams there that we kind of mentioned are easily the, the, the most favorite candidates to perform at the high level. So I, um, having a hard time disagreeing with any of your picks there. And I'm, um, you know, I'm, I'm very excited for this season. I haven't been this excited for football to come back in a long time, given the circumstances and everything. I'm sure, I'm sure most people feel the same way, but you know, it's going to be, it's going to be good to be back. I think it doesn't hurt having your, your team be the consensus favorite to win the Super Bowl. I think that helps a little bit too. Uh, <laughs> I think that helps uh, build a little bit of a fire. Jeremy. Yeah, the NFC picks, uh, after everything we've said, every, I mean, and you may have gained a, more knowledge of the NFL season with the conversation that we've had today um, than you did all leading up to it. You may have even heard names today that you're like, I have never heard that name before. Uh, with that, give us your picks. Well, you're not wrong about some new names, but I'm a big storyline guy. So I, you know, usually if I'm not in, incredibly in tune with what's going on and even sometimes in baseball, when I'm not, um, I root for what the storylines are and what, what'll make it the most exciting matchup and, and make it the best for the sport and the ratings and, and things like that. And so um, my, I would love to see the saints and bucks play for a spot in the NFC championship game. Um I think the Cowboys are going to be the number one seed. I'd like to see that. I'd like oh, to see wow. that. Um, and I think they're going to win, actually. I think they're going to win the NFC. Um, but I think that I would love to see a, an NFC uh, semifinal game between the Bucks and uh, the Saints. I'd love to see Brady and Brady and uh, Drew Brees battle it out for a spot in the championship game. Um, yeah, I, I would um, – I would also just as well see them battle it out for a spot in the Super Bowl. I think that would be, I mean, that would be crazy ratings right there to see Breeze and, and Brady playing for a spot in the Super Bowl to play against Mahomes. Um, but, you know, I think the Cowboys are going to do it. I think they're going to make the Super Bowl. That might seem like a, a little bit of craziness, but I would love to see Mahomes in the Super Bowl who just got a historic payday. And he's playing against Dak, who's going to enter the Super Bowl feeling like he's got to win it so that he can prove that he's worth a super historic payday. And um, it would be the battle of two, you know, of the highest paid quarterback ever and a guy who believes that he should be that as well. Uh, I think it would be extremely exciting. I think the city of Lubbock would more or less explode because there's with Mahomes being a tech guy and him being with the Chiefs, there's about as many Chiefs fans here now as there, as there are Cowboys fans. So I'd, I'd love to see the atmospheres around here in Texas. And I'd also love to see the, what that would do for the ratings to just have two quarterbacks like that going at it for a Super Bowl. I don't know much about the Cowboys defense, 
And, you know, Mahomes very well, you guys know better, Mahomes very well could walk all over the Cowboys defense. I'm not sure. But in terms of just dynamic quarterbacks and the excitement that could go around that, um, I know I would, I know I would be watching that game. I think that's an absolutely astute observation. What were you saying, Colin? I said, to be fair, Mahomes does that against pretty much every defense in the NFL. So. I mean, he just – he torched the 49ers. I mean, the 49ers is a pretty good defense, I would say. I mean, Mahomes is – I mean, he's just one of those guys where you got to get your guns ready because he's dropping 30 on you, no questions asked. Um, it's just can you keep him under 40? And that's an incredible, an incredible thing to say out loud that he's going to drop 30 on you every single time he steps the, on the field. I mean, Mahomes is incredible. I think that's the takeaway from everything that we've talked about today. And I think the takeaway of it is, is we didn't actually talk too much about Mahomes because there's nothing more to be said. He is just so good that the question is everybody's playing for second. I think it's unbelievable what Mahomes has done. Unbelievable what Mahomes is going to continue to do. I'm so excited. I haven't been this excited about a player in probably any sport in a long time than how excited I am for Mahomes in the NFL. Um, it, it's so tricky. It's so tricky because there's only been one guy that I've ever known that's been able to, maybe two, that's been able to take the reins and being anointed the, the king of the league so early. And he was anointed the king of the league basically almost after his first, his first full season. And not his rookie season, but his first full season. I mean, you got guys like Sidney Crosby, LeBron James, that's basically it of the last 20 years of guys that have been anointed and been able to, you know, been able to put up the numbers that have been expected of them. And I think Mahomes can be that guy. And I think what this is going to be the year where Mahomes, everybody says, I mean, everybody, I don't know how much higher we can get with Mahomes, but I think he's going to get even higher because I think he's going to have the playoff run he had last year, along with his MVP season, regular season. I'm so jealous of you, Colin, it, to my soul. I am so jealous of you that you get to have a guy like Patrick Mahomes and you get to have a guy like Andy Reid and that you don't have to be angry anymore. Like, you just get to be happy, and I just wish I could be happy. <laughs> it was good, man. After, you know, I, and, you know – we. We never had it as bad, I would say, as the Browns or the Lions have had it. But, you know, there's a couple of rough years there where I lost interest. But, you know, just going into every season, knowing that you'll be competing for the Super Bowl, have your franchise player be competing for the MVP, it's something else. It's, you know, it's like, you know, I'm, I'm watching any Monday night game, any Thursday night primetime game against the Ravens or the Patriots, knowing, hey, they're, they're favored to win, which is weird to say because, you know, I, you know, you never really had that. You know, I've been, I've been a fan of some teams throughout the years and now it's, it's, there's one consistency in my sports fandom and it's the Chiefs and, you know, I'm excited for the next, I'll be, you know, I'll be 35 years old. I'll be 35 years old before his contract's up and, you know, it's going to be, who knows where we'll be at by then, but can't imagine we'll be much worse off than we are now. Um, but I will say it would be, you know, very much talking about the season, very much of a Browns thing to have the Browns have one of the best off seasons they've had in a long, long time. And to finally 
get over that hump and make it to the playoffs and make a little bit of a run. But, you know, people are still going to, you know, say they're going to put some asterisks on the season saying, hey, it was a weird season. It was an off, you know, an off year. You know, what, what does it mean for the Browns? That would be a very Browns thing to happen. So I kind of hope it does. You know, I think it's like a lose-lose for the Browns. You know, they're going to do well, but people are going to put an asterisk over them. They do bad, and they say, well, it's just another Brown season. But I, I want to see Cleveland do well. I think they're another, you know, wild card team to get up there, like we talked about earlier. But um, this has been a very – there's been a lot of hype entering this season, and I'm all here for it. So, you know, someone's going to have to dethrone the Chiefs. I don't know about this season, but, you know, the next few years – you know, the Deshaun Watson and Lamar Jackson rivalries are, are, are coming. And, you know, they're both, you know, Lamar Jackson's the only matter of time until he gets paid. So it's going to be it's gonna be a fun couple of years in the AFC. You know, hope, fingers crossed for the, for the Lions and the Browns here, but I, I don't have too much – I don't have too much confidence in them. You know, we'll see. But And I'll be, I'll be remiss that uh, a lot of our viewership down in Dayton – they are Cincinnati Bengals fans. And um, the amount that we talked about the Bengals today should be an indicator of what we think of the Bengals. And with that, I want to thank Colin for joining us today. Uh, we will not be talking about the Cincinnati Bengals. We will be opting out of any Cincinnati Bengals talk. Um, we want to thank Colin for joining us. Uh, well, hopefully we can have you on throughout the season. We can uh, chat it up. We can go through things similar maybe more often than pardon my take has Warren Sharpen to be the guru for them uh and we can check in with a happy sports fan once in a while it'll be a nice pleasant change from the dreary existence that is being a Detroit and Cleveland sports fan a very nice breath of fresh air if you will so yeah at least for one of us. Colin, Colin you did a great job man thanks for thanks for picking up where my knowledge and uh expertise lacks significantly you did it it was a very nice hearing your analysis of the season yeah much appreciated gentlemen uh a true yeah true recurring guest i enjoyed it a lot you know i mean i'm all here for the nfl and um you know there's a gonna be a gonna be a, a wild ride this year with you know covid lingering and everything else but i'm always uh always here to talk more sports and, you know, hopefully we can get, you know, our fellow Cleveland Browns uh, Homer here in and get, get some of his, get some of his opinions here sooner rather than later about how, how their season is going to pan out, but always. A truly, truly the most unbiased Cleveland Browns opinion you will ever see and ever hear uh, with our great dear Connor Pentella, which hopefully we'll be able to hear from him very soon.